All right, welcome back to the Batflip Baseball Podcast. How's it going, Aaron? Good. How about you? Going pretty good. We have our very special guest on this time, our first ever player guest that we've had on the show, Mr. Conrad Schmidt from formerly of the Reno Aces and Arizona Diamondbacks. How are you doing, Conrad? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, excited to talk some baseball. I haven't talked baseball in a while. <laughs> Yeah, that's super awesome. So I I've kind of felt like um, we've never done any of these interviews before. So I kind of felt like we would just kind of start at the beginning and talk about uh, how you kind of came up playing baseball, where you're from, and and how your journey kind of went. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in a town called Petaluma, California, in Sonoma County. And... Uh, it's kind of an interesting time, I think, now that I reflect. I'm, I'm 38 years old now, and looking back at baseball, it was right at the beginning, at least, where I grew up, where you started to play a little more baseball than just Little League, you know, and uh, never played travel ball. Um, pers- you know, it, it wasn't really a thing, but I just – we had this um, innovative guy in our hometown – his name is Daryl Cooey, and he owned an indoor batting cage, which was, like, just unbelievable. And every time I sit down and talk to people about my path, I jump right into how crazy that was for me to have. Basically, it was an old corrugated feed mill on the per- on the Petaluma River, and it had seven iron mics in it. And you could just <laughs> – it started out with like iron mics and slot car racing. So you could race some slot cars and, and buy four, you know, a couple dollars worth of tokens and start taking hacks. And it, it really kind of developed into this crazy thing where, you know, it, you started buying time and, and, and you just, the amount of swings I was able to take as a kid was unbelievable. And it was, you know, anybody who had, access to it and my my dad just really had he really realized how beneficial it was for that and so I'm starting to ramble already but it it all where I'm going with this is that guy that owned that batting cage started the first like fall baseball league and I think I was 10 years old when we had the fall baseball and so I was able to play baseball pretty much all year round from 10 years old on which was just unheard of um, you know, we're talking mid nineties and, uh, it was just kind of a, a good thing. Um, people ask me like, you know, I'm sure you guys know, like the beautiful thing about baseball is, you know, you could be big, you could be small, you could be tall, you could be short, you could be fast, you could be slow. And I really believe it's still a game to where like, as hard as you work at it, you can take it to as far as you're capable of taking it. And, and that's basically the, the gist of all that. Um, so anyways, that was the core. I, um, definitely was able to kind of develop that all year round baseball thing right away. And then, um, we had pretty good baseball in, in Sonoma County. It was, it still wasn't like the Sacramento area or anything, but, um, that led to base, you know, high school baseball. I'll just jump to that. Like I was on a very uncompetitive 
high school program. I mean, we didn't even have a home field. We played every game on the road. Like we never played a home baseball game. And that's pretty crazy. It, it was really crazy. And cause we had really good football and I was actually a decent football player. We had a big stadium for football and all, it okay. was kind of a weird deal, but, um, we can jump back and touch on all that. I'm just going to kind of give you the quick synopsis. And then from there went, uh, never got recruited for baseball out of high school. Always had pretty good numbers, but like, I think it had a lot to do with, um, you know, my high school wasn't very good at baseball. Um, I played for, um, we didn't have travel ball, but we had American Legion and Connie Mack. And so Petaluma, I don't know how familiar you are with Petaluma, but it's about 15 miles south of Santa Rosa, which is the biggest city in Sonoma County. So they had a Connie Mack team. And so I got asked to go play for this Connie Mack team. That's how I started getting some pretty decent exposure because we would come up and play in the Carson City Capital Classic at Carson City High School, the Ron McNutt deal. And uh, I remember I came up, man, I was – I think I was I was 17 when I graduated, so I was probably like 15 or 16. I was a sophomore or junior, and I just went off. And the funny thing was is I was a pitcher. So I <laughs> DH right. I hit like I think I hit eight home runs in the week-long tournament and had like four saves. And you know, I was a relief pitcher and just like kind of the backup catcher on the team. Um but anyways, so that led me to where I'm um, the the head coach of that Connie Mack team was the assistant coach at Santa Rosa Junior College. Never got recruited, like I said, um, got recruited for football, which was kind of funny. Um, my dad was a big-time college football player, and he was like, I love you, and I love that you love football, but I think your future is in baseball. And that led me to Santa Rosa Junior College. Okay. Um, went to Santa Rosa Junior College. Like I said, we can jump back and get into the details of that. Um, had a successful career, left there, went to University of Arizona. That didn't work great. Um, transferred to University of Nevada for my senior year. Had a great year. Got a free agent contract with the Diamondbacks and then just kind of took off from there on the professional side. So That's awesome. I So my wife is actually working – in Santa Rosa right now. So I've become really familiar with kind of everything around there. Um, and Petaluma has one of my favorite breweries ever. Uh, so, Lagunitas? Yeah. It's, I'm actually wearing a sweatshirt oddly enough, yeah. but I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. I look totally cheesy. I got an Aces hat and a Lagunitas sweatshirt <laughs> talking to you. Like, well, you didn't know how well but, it was going to work out for this, did you? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that I mean that's crazy and you answered kind of one of my questions. I was curious what your sort of draw ended up being to end up at University in Nevada um and then see how that p- panned out and getting signed by the Diamondbacks, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's it's interesting to hear just kind of how everything starts to form for you and and what kind of path you had to take. But. Well, yeah, so Santa Rosa JC was, you know, super competitive. It's now part of the Big Eight. When I was there, it was the Bay Valley Conference, and we were on the West, the Bay Valley West. There were 16 teams in it for junior college, which is so crazy. I know everybody doesn't come up 
and familiar with the junior college baseball system in Nevada or in uh, California, there's 88 teams in California, or at least when I stopped playing, there were Jesus, you know, whereas how many are in Nevada? I mean, two, uh, no, Western yeah. Nevada stopped. I mean, there's what one in Vegas and yeah. Arizona has five. The junior college kind of thing is a little more concentrated where in California, there's so many people and so many players and so much opportunity. Um, that's kind of one of the things on kind of side tr- uh, note right now. One, one of the things I tell some of the local kids around here is like, don't be afraid to go to California and play junior college baseball. Cause it's, it's competitive and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to a pretty good program and, and I mean, we had a fairy tale kind of couple of years. I actually spent three years there. I, I was a freshman in 2003, had a really good freshman year, had a um, season ending injury in the fall of 2004. So I had shoulder surgery and, and red shirted and then 05 was my sophomore year and I I did really well. I was the player of the year for the state and put up stupid numbers. And so I signed with University of Arizona because they were six in the country when I signed with them. But silly me, I never looked at their roster. They had like, what's a college roster? I think it was like 35. They had like 23 <laughs> seniors or juniors, you know, and they had like nine guys drafted in the first 10 rounds. So um, they were great when I signed with them, but then I showed up like that whole team I signed with was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I went there for my junior year and we had 17 freshmen, which was fine. A lot of them played in the big leagues. There was a lot of talented guys, but it was a very average year for university of Arizona baseball standards. And, uh, uh, when you get in big programs like that, they, they have it all penciled out. So I was a big recruit. I don't know how I didn't get drafted at junior college. Um, just cause I had the numbers and, and whatever, and that doesn't matter. But uh, so I, I signed with Arizona and, and they basically had me penciled in for like one year, right? Like I was going to be a junior. I was going to get drafted. Well, I totally underperformed and had a very average year. I think it hit like 270, led the Pac-10 in pass balls, like just a really oh, man. tough year. Um, And so I had to transfer like they, they were like, well, we got a, uh, what was the kid's name? Name was Dwight Childs. He ended up playing in the big leagues for a little bit, but you know, they had another freshman coming in because they have a schedule on their recruiting. And so I had to transfer and um, I could have stayed. I didn't have to, but I, I, the writing was on the wall. And uh, so I transferred and this was, you know, I'm to be honest with you, I'm I'm so not familiar with the NCAA, and I don't know. Does baseball have a portal like basketball and football? I you know I don't know, but you couldn't transfer in conference. Have to, but yeah, yeah, huh. baseball has always been kind of a little different, right. but <laughs> right. So I couldn't transfer in conference, and I couldn't transfer because I was on scholarship. You know, the basically the head coach had to sign off on wherever I went, and. uh it's a funny story because I got this phone call from Stan Stolte, who's the head coach at UNLV now, but he was Gary Powers' assistant coach. And he was like, I'd like you to come play. And I was like, man, I was just in the Pac-10. I don't want to go play for Reno. And I showed up the first day and I stepped on the field and 
saw all the banners of guys that had played in the big leagues and and all this, you know, and realized that, man, this is a pretty good program, you know, not going to the College World Series, not going to go to the, you know, playoffs a lot, but just a solid program. You play a competitive right. schedule. It was a place where I could put up some numbers and and do well, and that's that that's pretty much exactly what happened. You know, I came in my senior year in 2007, um, did well. I, I think I hit 355 my senior year because of the shoulder surgery. I was a fifth-year senior, so I don't know how it works now, but back then I didn't have to go into the draft. I was able to sign because I had exhausted all my eligibility. I did. I could sign before the draft, and that's what I did um, with the Diamondbacks. So Wow. I'm I'm continuously blown away, like just quick sidebar about like how under the radar, but how big of a baseball city Reno is as far as like people that are in the town and all of that. Like I work for the Dolans and the youngest Dolan yeah. played at UCLA. The head sales manager there played with him at UCLA and they had Garrett Cole, Brandon Crawford, Steven Strasburg, like. Like, and these are all guys. And then the head coach at Wooster played on the 04 Red Sox. Like, I'm like, I'm blown away by all of these people. And then it, it, so yeah, that's, that's crazy to me. It, it it truly is a baseball town. Like, and that's what I think was part of the reason, um, Part of the reason I was drawn here, like I decided to move here before the Reno Aces were a thing. You know, when I when when I was done with college, I was like, I don't think I can leave this town, and I really <laughs> wanted to be here. And then in um, damn Instagram, sorry. Uh, <laughs> when uh, where was I? I was in I was in Visalia in in High A in the Cal League when when they moved from Tucson when we knew we were moving to Reno and I was just like, man, all I want to do is play in Reno. That, that would be the big leagues for me. If I could make it to triple a and play in Reno, you know? Um, so were you scouted much when you were playing in high school or were, when you were playing in, in college or was it just kind of one of those things where like, Hey, this guy over here is putting up some numbers. We should kind of check him out. I mean, I had, um, I, I only did one, event while I was scouted and I was I was a freshman at Santa Rosa Junior College and they had a pro day in Vacaville excuse me um there used to be I can't remember the name of the league but in Roner Park there was the Sonoma County Crushers Kevin Mitchell was a player manager when I was a kid it was nice. hysterical <laughs> uh, I think Willie McGee was playing on it as well wow. you know and uh <laughs> So there was this cool little ballpark by the nut tree in Vacaville. And I went there and didn't really know what to do because, I mean, I was a farm kid. I grew up on a ranch in, in Petaluma. And, I mean, my dad still has that ranch today. And it just I, – I just was competitive and liked to play baseball. And I remember showing up and there was, like, all these guys with stopwatches. I mean, I've seen, obviously, stopwatches. But I never saw, like, 20 dudes behind home plate with clipboards and stopwatches. And I was a little nervous, but I was – it helped me out because I was so naive too that I didn't really know what I was at. And I did really well. Like, I don't remember the number, but I had like the best pop time as a catcher in the whole day. And I, and I hit the, we, you know, we were using wood bats. That was 
one thing that I'll always thank my dad for, he was kind of ahead of the time, I think, for my era. Like, I always hit with a wood bat. You know, not in competition. I used the metal bat, but, like, all off-season, all my training was always with a wood bat. And I really think that helped um, because I had – jumping way ahead to pro ball, you know, I was a senior sign before the draft. I never forget when I showed up to Yakima, Washington, um, Mike Bell was our manager. Um, I had, you know, in rookie ball, you have expanded roster. It's like, I think 45 kids. Right. And um, I had two kids that weren't even 18, one from Venezuela, one from the Dominican Republic was, were catchers, big prospects. We had a guy named Ed Easley. You remember him? He played um, a lot, but he he won the the Johnny Bench Award from Mississippi State, and was our first round draft pick. And then there was me, and I think that whole season. You guys could look this up. I, I I'm selling it short, but I probably only played. It's like seventy game season. I probably only played fifteen games, maybe, and. Uh what happened was all three of those dudes got hurt and there was 10 games left in the season. And so they weren't going to sign another guy. So I caught 10 games straight, which is unheard of. And I went off, I hit like four or five home runs and just went off. And, and so where I'm going with that is I think that, you know, having a wood bat in my hand since I was 12 years old really helped when I had a very small window of an opportunity to um, shine because Fast forward to 2008 when I played for the Visalia Oaks, which the next year I played for them and they were the Rawhide. But, um, you know, Buster Posey was on the San Jose Giants, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, that whole, you know, that was my era. <laughs> Joe Panic, Posey, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, and, and Posey, you know, he went straight there. Um, he was still one of the best players in the league, but he, you know, he hit 270 ish that year and it was a wood bat adjustment but his wood bat adjustment was 270 280 which was pretty good in professional baseball but um we obviously know how that worked out for him but um so I really think that that helped with my little window because honestly I was probably on a path to play rookie ball maybe go to spring training and that was probably it and uh I put a name up for myself um I'll never forget the last series, three-game series, was in Spokane, Washington for the Spokane Indians, which was the um, Texas Rangers. And it was the one start. I don't even know why they did this, but they always did this in baseball, big prospects. So it was the first start for Derek Holland professionally. He was first-rounder out of um, you know high school. And I was doing so well. I think I was batting third or fourth. I used to, actually, no, I batted second, which was kind of funny because I was never a fast guy, but I was a good contact <laughs> guy. And uh, I was the second batter of the game, and I and he threw me a fastball first pitch, and I think I hit it about 450 feet to dead center, and it was just kind of like, oh, man, nice. this is one of the best prospects in baseball. And this no-name yeah, dude from Petaluma just took him deep. But yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It, well, I have it. I ended up. In 07 at Yakima, you hit – you ended up playing in 45 games. Did I really? That's what it, that's what it has. You hit, you hit no, two, I did, probably. You that's hit 250, crazy. six home runs, 24 RBIs. You had a stolen base. Um, 
And then in 08. sneaky on the base pass. Right? And then in 08, uh, they had you down at 329 was your batting average. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but they had it. They have it split up into like three, uh, I think maybe three different teams you were on. They have you A plus A uh, ball. But on that team, yeah, it was 329 uh, was your batting so, average. So, yeah, A ball. So. 2008 was funny. Not it's funny. So you guys got to bear with me, because I haven't thought about this stuff in a long yeah. time, and <laughs> that's why I'm mind to work. <laughs> and and that's why I want you to look it up because there's an idea of what I have in my head, and there's an idea of what actually happened. So I remember going to spring training and getting you know in 2008 in Tucson and getting um, quite a bit of opportunity, and I was actually the opening day catcher for the South Bend Silverhawks in low A. Yeah. And I think I did pretty well there. We had another, his name was Sean Coughlin, another catcher at a university of Kentucky. And I was by far a better catcher than him, but this dude was a donkey. I mean, he was a big left-handed guy, you know, big power, big hitting guy. And, and, Further down the line in our careers, we were on the same double-A team, and he was playing first base, and I was catching. But um, So I remember catching well, and then he showed up because he was hurt a couple weeks late, and then I became a, kind of the DH role, and I just kept getting opportunities and, and doing really well um, offensively. And then they moved me to high A, Visalia, halfway through the year, and that's when I played with the whole, um, you know, Giants clan, all the – I mean – it was unbelievable. I mean, literally everybody you could think of. Yeah. Everybody was there. And I remember I think it was early when I was there. I'm not going to tell you exactly when, because I can't remember exactly, but I just got to Visalia and Bumgarner was no hitting us in San Jose through the seventh. And I broke up as no hitter in the seventh and everybody made a big freaking deal about it. And it goes back to like being so naive because, you know, this is, way before i mean we were still getting baseball america in the paper form to find out who with the transactions you know iphones were just becoming a thing and you know i so i had no idea who madison bumgarner was is what i'm trying right. to say you know right. and and so and that helped me because i didn't really care it was just a left-hander on the mound that was trying to get me out and i was trying to get a hit you know right I just going to ask like really fast, like even back then, 2008, 2009, uh, did you know, this might be like, I'm a Giants fan. So it's always interesting to hear about these guys. I grew up a Giants fan. So did you know at that time how good those guys were going to be? Um, yeah. You, you, let me tell you a story about Brandon Crawford. <laughs> oh, so I played, I played, in the North Woods League, the College Wood Bat League, I was I played for the St. Cloud River Bats, and I played for them in two two thousand. I guess it would be the summer of two thousand three. So I was a freshman that got to go out there and play, and it was kind of a big deal. Wood Bat Summer League, very similar to the Cape Cod, not as competitive, but it was set up different. Like it was just like rookie ball. You played seventy two games in three months, bus league you know, eight hour bus rides. I mean, it really, that's when it let you know, like at least it let me know that 
I can handle the grind. I really like, I think all I want to do is play baseball every day and not worry about my grade point average. So, um, <laughs> it, it really pushed me to become a professional. So my second year there, I got hurt in 04 and 05. I go back. Um, they changed the rules to where you could be an incoming freshman and play in that league. So, for example, Brandon Crawford for the Mankato Moon Dogs was straight out of high school, hadn't played any college baseball yet, but was able to play in this league representing UCLA. And we opened up in Mankato, and I just remember watching. I still have a picture of him when we were in college at UCLA. I mean, you would never – if I showed you the picture, you'd never think it was Brandon Crawford. But I just remember looking at this little skinny kid with unbelievable feet and the best glove I've ever seen and threw about 95 across the diamond and going – and being a catcher, right, you hear when he made contact, it was like, ooh, that's that's different. different. And so I guess where I'm going with that is, yeah, these guys – at that level, I knew that guy was going to be unbelievable. Like, he was special, right? Different. Like, we didn't know. It's baseball. You still got to put numbers together and put a season together. Um, but he stood out at that point. Then, yes, answer your question, especially when you get into high A or whatever they call it now, advanced A, um, you can look out on the field and be like, that is a dude. Like, that's what we used to say. Like, that's a dude right there. That guy is going to freaking be – he's better than most of us on the field right now. And that's where that team – we were pretty competitive. We had a lot of guys that played in the big leagues too on our team, and it was – they were just so stacked, so unbelievable. And the Giants were so notorious, especially because I remember we finished in the playoffs with them for sending guys down on rehab assignments for the playoffs. I mean, like Travis Ishikawa <laughs> played in the whole California playoffs on a rehab from the big leagues. You know, I was like, this is unfair. <laughs> that's like, that's one thing that has always uh, been really interesting to me is like to see or to hear about those guys that are just way different. And uh, mm -hmm. like I was saying, some of the guys I work with now, they were telling me, um, like, when they the first time they saw Steven Strasburg, they were like, yeah, they mm -hmm. say this guy's pumping in, like, 95 on his fastball. Uh, you know, no big deal. And he was like, I got up to the plate that was not 95. He was like, I couldn't even register the ball. It's just, it's it's wild. So I had this conversation two days ago with a buddy of mine. I don't know if the radar guns have gotten more accurate, if they're juiced, whatever, but the amount of dudes throwing a hundred right now blows my mind. Like that. Yeah. Is it, I, I don't know what it is, but um, I never faced Strasburg, um, but I had an opportunity. I faced, um, Oh my goodness. This is my brain. Um, hopefully you can't hear that. Nope. Sorry. Okay. My ring doorbell was going off. Um, what's his name? The Cuban missile, the left-hander. Oh, I rolled this Chapman. Oh yeah. Chapman. Thank you. Oh God. Yeah. That would be terrifying. So I had a chance to face him <laughs> and I finished my career with the reds. I caught him and yeah, it was I bet just that like, was crazy. 
un- unreal. And I'll never forget my major league debut in 2010 was in Cincinnati. And we're jumping way ahead now, but it's a, it's another good story. But um, so I mentioned earlier about Reno, you know, when they moved to Reno. So I, in 2009, um, John Hester was catching for the aces in the first year and he got called up to the big leagues. And so instead of bringing somebody from double A, cause our double A team was all the way in Alabama. I finished the last year in Reno from a ball. So I went, Visalia to Reno played for a year uh, or a month, I mean, and did did pretty well, Made continued to make a name for myself. And then I had to jump the next year I started in double A. Well, I got that taste of the initial season in Reno and I was just like, that's where I want to play. Like I said earlier, like that would be the big leagues for me. And I, uh, I was tearing up the Southern league. I was, I finished it, which is a funny thing because in minor league baseball, it's such a old, it's old ballparks. They're huge. You're in the South, the humidity, like I think I hit three Oh five, maybe there with 10 home runs. And I finished second in the league of hitting Tony Campania finished first. And I think he hit, maybe I hit three fifteen, but he was like in maybe the three thirties. Don't hold me to that, but he was such a speedster. You might probably remember him playing for the aces too. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he would beat the ball on the ground and beat it out. Um, not take it. That was his game. Um, so yeah, I think three fifteen. I think three ten, three fifteen. That was the second highest batting average in the league. And I just remember my manager was Rico Bronia. I don't know if you remember him, but Philly's first baseman career was cut short, big slugger, but he was also a quarterback at Florida State in nineties. Anyways. Turner Ward was my hitting coach. I don't know where he's at now, but, you know, he was with the Dodgers for a while. And um, I just remember going, God, I just want to go up. Like, what is going on? I mean, other guys were going up ahead of me. Like, um, I think Ed Easley was on that team with me in double-A, and they sent him to Reno, and I was like, man, what a slap in the face. Like, this is killing me. And Rico would just go, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Well, about two days later, he calls me and he's like, hey, come to the field early. You're going up. And I was like, oh, finally, I'm going to Reno. And he, he's, you know, this is back in the day of paper plane tickets. He gives me my plane tickets and it said destination was Cincinnati. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> how did I skip it? What, <laughs> what's Cincinnati? Like, what am I doing? He's like, you play the Reds tomorrow. So anyways, go up. There's two guys that have ever played in the big leagues from Petaluma. One was me and the other is Johnny Gomes. And Johnny Gomes also Love played at guy. Santa Rosa Junior College with uh, way before me. But so we've always had a connection. I hit with him in the offseason and stuff. And uh, so it was totally crazy. Um, I didn't start the game, but Johnny Gomes is playing left field for the Reds that night. And so here you are. You got two kids from Petaluma playing at Great American Ballpark. And I can't remember who was on the mound, but um, it was kind of – we weren't in the playoffs. The Reds were in the hunt, so we were still playing very competitively because that's – you know, you got to try and put your best team on the field. I think they were, like, going for the wild card. I can't remember. But um, so I got to pinch hit in the ninth inning. It was like a 7-2 ball game, maybe five. It was – you know, we weren't out of it, but, you know, in those days, you know, 3-4 run – was pretty comfortable um, right. lead and uh, 
Kirk Gibson was this was the year AJ Hinch was our manager. He got fired. Kirk Gibson was the bench coach, so he took over as the manager. And eventually, the next year, he would become the actual manager. Um, but he told me to take a strike. This is my major league debut, and <laughs> I was like, "All right, cool." And Matt and Drew sticks on the mound, big sinker baller guy, big tall guy, ball moves all over. So in my major league debut, I walked on four pitches. And <laughs> nice. Why didn't you swing? I was like, dude, they told me to take a strike. And I get on first base, and Matt Williams is the first base coach, and Joey Votto is the first baseman. He taps me on the butt and goes, Good job, you know, way to go. And um I can't remember where I was going with that, but it was just kind of I, what were we talking about? We were talking about um oh I so then I'm coming up, we were talking about Chapman. Yeah. So I'm coming up. The game goes on. We scored a couple of runs, and we had a guy named Brian Roberts. It was like I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, Tat yeah. Man, right? Like all the tattoos. Yeah. So there's two <laughs> outs. I was, he was in the eight hole. I was in the nine hole because I pinch hit for the pitcher. Chapman's on the mound. And this is the night Chapman broke the speed record. And there's two oh outs. And I was. I mean, it's my first big league game, dude. I'm jacked up, whatever. And I watched Chapman strike Brian Roberts out to end the game with a hundred and six and a half mile an hour fastball. <laughs> And I just remember just taking this biggest sigh of relief going, I mean, this Thank is cool, God. but I didn't want to face it. <laughs> just be a mile and a half behind anything he throws. Oh, my Lord. Just feel so the yeah, ball I know, just come right by you. I know we were talking about velocity, but I kind of went down the rabbit hole there. But, yeah, this is – That's all right. This I is mean, fun. I'm, this is stuff I haven't talked about in a long time. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we love it. Thank you again. Like, I'm excited – Speaking of like a Roldis Chapman, like I'm excited to see like guys like Ben Joyce now coming out of Tennessee, like with how fast he was thrown in college. I'm really excited to see what he can do. My, uh, the, obviously, the biggest thing with throwing that fast is can you control it too? But well, that was the whole thing with Strasburg, right? Like everybody goes, "Oh, yeah. can you control it?" But that guy had the nastiest twelve six curveball, right? And you throw the fastball. He obviously he proved everybody and, wrong. Right. So after that, so that was in September of 2010. So you spent all yeah. of 2011 in Reno. I can't remember. Yeah. Like, that was a long time ago. I did. And I, and I, and I had a unbelievable first half of the season. I mean, I made the all-star team. I was hitting like three mid three hundred. Like I think I was around three fifty. I can't remember at the all-star break. And, um, just killing it. I mean, my path was there. Like I, I, I was, it was all laying out. Miguel Montero was the big league catcher for the Diamondbacks and was doing okay, but like everything was going good. And then uh, my freaking arm started hurting. And I'll never forget it. Like I was dealing with it and playing fine. And then we went on a flight to Tacoma to play Tacoma. And I woke up to get on the plane and I could not straighten my right arm out. And <sighs> What, uh, and, uh, what, uh, what happened was I ended up having, I had bone chips in my elbow and I had, um, I ended up having them surgically removed. I had six of them and one of them was a centimeter long and it locked in to my elbow. So I'm trying to show you, but like basically right there was as far as I can extend my elbow. So throwing was okay, but man, I just, I, I, at the all-star break, I think I was hitting 350. 
And I finished the year, I think, hitting 250. I couldn't just extend through and right. kind of derailed me. Um, I thought it was mismanaged by the Diamondbacks. And uh, whereas they just kept me playing and I ended up, finishing the year going down having surgery um in the off season spent the whole year and in scottsdale we had moved from tucson to scottsdale at that point yeah so i ended up having a surgery they took six six bone chips out of my elbow and uh, i felt like i kind of rushed back that was my own fault you know i just wanted to try and make the ball club Uh, we had a new General manager Kevin Towers was the GM. Um, they, uh, it's just baseball. Like a lot of challenges. You know, I was yeah. I was supposed to make the team, and um, I had a pretty good spring training. Montero had a good year. He was going to be um, a free agent. They ended up signing him to like a seventy six million dollar deal. It's funny how certain numbers resonate in your brain but uh but i still had a chance to be the backup which is you know right generally what happens with a guy coming up and um and when the big thing for me that was a disadvantage like i'll never blame anybody but myself for not having the career i wanted but uh kept the chat one of the challenges was kevin towers being the new gm from san diego he was big into veterans so we signed henry blanco i think i was mm. 42 years old at the time to be the backup and montero you know he you guys could look this up but i i bet you he missed 10 games all season you know i mean the guy played for a catcher he put pl- that guy was probably like played animal he, he was you like, know and so there wasn't a lot of opportunity so a guy like henry blanco was a good backup. They were both Venezuelan and Henry Blanco was one of the best human beings I've ever met in the game of baseball. Like just one of the best dudes ever. Um, And so go, I didn't make the team going into 2012. That's when I had my most big league action because uh, Montero had a week of, um, he had a kid. So he took a week off and, and, even when I went up for that week, Henry Blanco played like five games. And he was like, dude, I'm too old for this. And I'll never forget it because we were playing um, the Brewers in San Diego. <laughs> he just wanted to play, play, play. And then all of a sudden he didn't want to play when um, Zach Grinke was on the mound. So I got the start against <laughs> Grinke. Yeah. Thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, in, 20, in 2015, who wanted to f- face Granky? I mean, nobody at that point. He was oh, at the God. top of his game. He was so, insane. I, uh, I actually had a decent game. I got um, I think I got up with the bases loaded, and I immediately found, fell down to like 0-2, and, and I fought off one of his sliders, put it in play, beat it up. Like, didn't ground it, double play, got an RBI. Um, oh, nice. But – that was one of those moments like the Chapman moment was like, okay, but I was so fresh, you know, it was that surreal first game in the big leagues that I felt like I could do anything. And then I remember facing Grinky that day. I think I got three at bats off him. And I was like, man, I have no chance. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. So I was um, looking at your baseball reference thing and it's, um, you had one hit in your career, which is one more hit than a lot of players or people will ever have in their lives in the show. 
Do you remember yeah. the pitcher? Do you remember the pitcher's name that you got a hit off of? Yeah, his name was John Eli. He was also a September call up, and I. Uh, all right. It was all easy, man. I got that hit in my first at bat. It was on the first pitch too. I found the. I actually found. I <laughs> yes. sent him. He sent me the whole game. I'm like, where do you find this? I sent stuff? him the video of it. Like yeah. it's and, Vin Scully, like in his prime, like just looking all so, dapper, like. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have I still have a, a DVD of it. I don't have a digital copy, but I have nice. a DVD, and it was like, you know, I only got one hit, but in my first game, like I made my major league debut, got the four pitch walk, so it wasn't technically an at bat in my first at bat. So I'm in the record books as one of the guys that made got a hit in his first at bat in the big leagues. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is sweet. But also that guy pitching, I had faced a lot in. Uh, in triple a that year you know so there's that whole factor like yeah i was in dodger stadium but um i also was comfortable facing that guy um but yeah his name was johnny like little base hit up the middle um but uh yeah they uh vince scully i mean that's a dream i grew up a giants fan but like vince who right. if you don't like vince scully then you uh, suck yeah. at being a baseball fan yeah right? like, <laughs> One of my one of my favorite things, I don't remember what year it was. It had to have been probably 2015 or 2016. I remember on Jackie Robinson Day, he and John Miller were doing the introductions on TV, and that was so awesome. Um, but but I was gonna I was gonna say, so walk me through or walk us through how the process was when you got when you got called up that second time. Did was it one of those things where you kind of knew it was coming or was it kind of a surprise? How did that work? Um, I'm trying to remember when my second time was. Well, for that Dodger <sighs> series towards at the end of that season. Well, that was still, that was my first call up. So I made my debut oh, okay. and then yeah. I didn't, I didn't play for like two weeks. And then we ended the year. That was the last series of the year in Dodger stadium, three game series. And I started two out of the three games. So, um, that's when I really thought, you know, oh, there's a plan for me. Like you're giving me a shot and I actually played pretty well. I only got one hit, but man, I hit the ball hard. I can't remember the dude's name, but the left fielder, little short guy. Ah, anyways, I remember hitting the ball in that first game of that series where I got my first base hit and my, I think it was my second or third at bat, man. I just squared a ball up into the gap and the guy made a diving catch on the warning track. It was like, oh God. you know, I, you know, it was a for sure double off the bat and just whatever. That's, that was also kind of funny. One of those point points in time where you realize, well, I'm in the big leagues now and everybody in the outfield probably play normally aren't field made. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you're not all the all the miraculous plays are kind of like plays that are expected to be made and and that was um kind of an eye-opening experience for me too but um i just remember being extremely frustrated because as a young player you're you're so arrogant right like you're like oh i just made the big leagues and i got all this hype and i'm supposed to do all this and i didn't play for two weeks and then got to play that series and it was by far the highlight of my baseball career playing two days in a row um 
I mean, Joe Torrey was the manager. That's what when everybody goes, what's the most significant thing you ever did in baseball? I said, I made the last out when Joe in Joe Torrey's last game as a manager. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I grounded okay, out that, first That's base, awesome. And that that's was it, still and he retired. Yeah. You know, that's still uh, so cool. But I just kind of just, um, I mean, Chavez Ravine, man, like the whole thing, like it yeah. was still. You know, I had a couple weeks in. It was every every day was kind of an eye opening experience, and and that's the stuff where, um, you know, when you, everybody has self doubts and everybody, man, I could have done this better. Maybe if I worked out a little harder or whatever. But I still got to play there. I still yeah. got to play against the Dodgers. I mean, the, I mean, honestly, the Vince Scully thing. I think my mom still watches it like once a week, um, but it was. I mean, it's what you dream of as a kid, right? Like, it, and my career didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but still can put in my back pocket that, you know, I made it to the big leagues. I was never drafted. I, w- I played at three different colleges. Like, it was, it was awesome. And that's, like, that's what's super interesting to me. And even, like, I remember the first time I've actually – I've met you a couple of times. I met you at the rodeo. The first time was the first time I met you. And each time you were like super humble. Cause I, I commented and I was like, dude, like it's, it was so much fun watching you with the aces. Like it was seriously like every time you came up, it was like, you were just a certified hit. It felt like, like, Oh, Conrad's up to bat. We're good. Like it, it'll be fine. Like yeah. that was, that was what it seemed like. But and you just you played it off like, especially at, when I saw you at the Ducks Unlimited dinner, like you were like stop, and I was like no, like you're you're part of that small percentage that makes his way all the way through. You make it to the big leagues, even if it was just for a, for a short time, and you get to see like and and feel the history of the parks that you're in, playing with the guys that you played with, even going all the way up through. It's it's just fascinating. Like that doesn't happen for so many people, and that's you. You seem to be one of the rare ones that that truly appreciates it, and you still enjoyed it. You may not talk about it a lot now. You like you make the comment about how we're making you dig dig yeah. deep for some of the memories, but I mean they're there, and it, it's it's crazy to to listen to and and hear the stories and the people that you you played with and all that yeah well and that's you know honestly um part of the reason i did the broadcasting like i they kind of you know the broadcasting thing it was sad last year it didn't work out and then now i'm not included anymore but i I think i did it for seven years at least and it was kind of i was still fresh out of the game when they asked me to do it i was like oh whatever but as it went along you know, when I'm six, seven years removed from the game, like part of the reason I did it is because of what we're doing right now. Um, I don't know what my mentality is. Um, Maybe it's like, I know what I did was special, but to me it was like, okay, I did that. And then I retired when I was 30 years old and, and then just moved, moved on with life. But it's, it's things like this that are sparking, um, it, it's it's really cool it's sparking all these things that i i'm not gonna lie i was a little nervous when you wanted to do this i was like man i don't know if i have enough content. yeah i i was sitting like we were sitting down and i was like 
shit, I didn't write, like, I didn't write stuff down. Like, I kind of want to go off the hip, like, just find things. But, oh, my God, like, I don't want to mess this up. It's, yeah, so it's it's definitely both sides. But, well, I just... I think that and I think that's also a beautiful thing about baseball is because it's so much more than just a game. You know, it, it, it truly is. They say the baseball culture, it is a culture, right? There's so right. much stuff attached to the nine innings that get played every day that just generates all these stories. I mean, uh, and I've got a, a three-year-old and a four-month-old, both boys. And, um, I've got so many friends, you know, and they're like, so my oldest, the three-year-old, his name's Harlan. Like, you got Harlan on a tee yet? You, you know, and I was like, and I just, I go, the comment I always make is, I go, no, I'm the worst former baseball player ever. I don't, like, I'm not pushing it. I'm not, but like, now I'm kind of like, well, we do have a tee. We have like one of those little softball tees and he pulled it out the other day on his own and started swinging at it. And that wasn't because of any of my influence. That's just because this is America and he's a little boy and he likes baseball, you know, yeah. like, and, and that's, I'm going down another rabbit hole, but you know, when people go, what are you going to do with your kids? And it's like, you know what? I'm going to teach him, teach him to be a good human being. I'm going to teach him to be a competitor. And if he wants to hit a baseball, then he'll be good at it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I had two more things I wanted to ask you about really fast. Uh, one of them may not be yeah. so fast, but I wanted to ask about the 2012 championship team. Yes. Like how fun was that yeah. to be a part of? I remember um, I probably went to 10 or 15 games that year. That was a monster. Uh, just, <laughs> I just, I just remember how much fun it was and how invested the city was in the team that year because it was a deep playoff push and ended up obviously – and I still don't understand why they do this, but AAA baseball is a one-game playoff instead of like at least a three-game series. But because it kind of puts you right into a do-or-die situation in the championship. But before that, it's all series. But anyway, how was how much fun was that in 2012 to win the championship? So I'm going to back up to 2011. Yeah. Because if you and you guys follow those teams. I think those are two of the best teams that have ever played baseball. And if you look at the 2011 team, you'll look, and if you really look deep into it, you'll understand how Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball works. Coming in 2011, our payroll was like $1.6 million for the Reno Aces. And I wasn't a beneficiary of that. I mean, I was on the 40-man roster, but I think my salary that year was like $72,000 or something, which is nothing to scoff at, right? Like a good living. But we had Cody Ransom, Willie Mo Pena, um, Mike Jacobs. I mean, these legends. And that goes back to what I was talking about with Kevin Towers. Like he invested so much in veterans. These were all dudes that were not good enough to make – the big league club but if someone got hurt those were dudes with big league experience that could go fill in not be nervous in a, at bat you know and the numbers i i mean we had a horrible pitching staff in 2011 but <laughs> if you remember we were losing games where we were scoring 15 runs and it was kind of like what the heck because this the offense was unbelievable but for that first half of the team where I'm going with this with how it works with Major League Baseball, 
is that first half of Reno in 2011, like you could not beat the Reno Aces. Like you got, you're putting up video game numbers. It was stupid. And then once the path of the big league club is kind of determined, they weren't competitive that year. So they call in June, they call William O up to DH for um, interleague play. And then, you know, he's not clearing waivers. And I can't remember where he went. I think he went to Detroit after that because he had had like 26 homers and whatever ridiculous numbers. (laughs) Cody Ransom got called up and then, you know, that's that we can go into this. If we, I would love to do this again, we can go into this more, but like, you know, he gets called up because he's got 10 years in the big leagues. He's a veteran. He can play every position in the infield. They call him up, so but he's not on the 40-man roster in Reno. Put him on the 40-man, so they got to take him off. And then, you know, he's not clearing waivers. Like, somebody's going to grab him, you know, and kind of dismantled that team. Then you had this whole young talent, um, Tony Abreu. I guess you can include myself in that. Um, Colin Calgill was a big player yeah. on that. Um, yeah. Golly, I'm trying to – I mean, there was Col- Jake Col- Elmore still playing, you know. Well, who was that? It? I liked watching Gillespie a lot. On yeah, the Gillespie. Cole he, Gillespie. Yeah, one of, he's one of the few dudes I still talk to. You know what really? I mean? Like one of the people. I mean, I talk to a lot of guys, but um, I actually haven't talked to him now. I think about it in a while, but a dude that you know. Well, and I saw you. Yeah, I often forget too. I was looking through the the 2011-2012 roster. Holy cow! And I forgot 2012. Adam Eaton was on the team. Like, yep. You yep. guys had. There was a lot of guys. I on mean, the team. Well, looking at the you look through and you're like, oh god. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm lo- I'm looking looking at the roster. I mean, you yeah. had Tyler Skaggs. Yeah. I mean, you had Trevor Bauer. Yep. You had, yeah. um. You had who else am I looking at? Daniel Hudson, definitely. who was a big leaguer. I mean, you had Chris yeah. Young. Yep. I mean, there was some really good players on that team. And that was when, like you said, like 2011, like, yes, you had guys go up that you were going to lose. And then 2012, like, it just shifted and you got what seemed like more pitching, that sort of thing. Well, where yeah. I'm going with this is 2012 was more investment in the Diamondbacks. Right. Oh, like yeah. Those dudes yeah. that were playing for Reno, they wanted to play. Right. Like, not just play. Um, the term we always use was have a role for the yeah. Diamondbacks. Right. Like like they had a role yeah. in the organization. They had a role coming up. Um, so jump back to 2011, 2012. My Lord. Oh, AJ Pollock. Group of younger guys. One. What's that? AJ Pollock was another one. Sorry. Last AJ, another guy. Is still <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, nice. Didn't yeah. didn't quite blossom as in the big leagues, but remember Ryan Wheeler? The guy had ninety two yeah. RBIs at the All Star break. <laughs> ninety two RBIs. It's wild. You know. Um. So that 2012 team, it was just like, it was unreal. Like we would be down five six runs, and you know, before the fifth <laughs> inning, and it was like. The other team has no chance. Um, and and it was just – so I guess the difference between the 2011-2012 team was um, – God, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in 2011 it was the old minor league format where it was divided into two halves. If you won the first half – and they did away with this because of yeah. 
the structure. But if you won the first half, you got into the playoffs. But you might have 24 different players at the end of the year. So the team that got you to the playoffs wasn't the team anymore. And and I think they restructured the playoff system. Um, and you got to forgive me. I, I, I don't know how it is now. But I remember in 11, we made the playoffs. It was like we just weren't competitive. We played Sacramento. I feel like we played Sacramento in the playoffs for three straight years. I mean, Josh <laughs> Donaldson was on that team and yeah there was that was actually looking back was so fun because it was just such a contested series all the time and it always came down to reno and the sacrament and sacramento before they realigned it um and uh but 2012 to answer your question was just we just knew we were the best team and it was great for me because looking back i didn't get that much big league experience but i was so kind of disappointed i got called up september 1st so i actually didn't play through the actual playoff run and i was like man because there was a bunch i i can't remember exactly but there was a bunch of dramatic games i think and you know the one game series in oklahoma city and uh, i think they beat um the boston philly Pawtucket or whatever but yeah uh, Pawtucket red yeah and you know, but I got that ring, and the and the team this year was funny because um, I hadn't thought about it a lot, and I'm still friends with a lot of people on social media. They're like in the front office of the Reno Aces, and um, f- friends on social media with Chris Payne, and you know they're posting all these pictures oh, yeah. of getting their ring. I looked at my wife, and I was like, "Where the hell is my ring?" <laughs> <laughs> And I value it. I, I say that, but I actually wear it quite often because nice. I'm I'm That's very cool. proud of that ring, you know. And and you know the World Series is a different thing, you know. The Major yeah. League it's completely different and much more harder to attain. But uh, to sit back and think, you know, you won a AAA World Series, it's pretty cool. And that, yeah, I immediately found my ring. But um, and I think mine. I think our ring's better than their new ring, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yours. That's why it's better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so then uh, the other, the only other thing that I wanted to ask was when you were part of the big league club and you're traveling around with the team. Um, I know personally, I mean, I've only been to a handful of big league stadiums myself uh, four to be exact, but I guess five, if you count San Diego and I did a tour, but when you're, when you're pulling up on the bus of these ballparks, like, does the scale of it just kind of like, man, I like coming from playing on this field, not even having a home field, right. When you're growing up to like, man, I'm playing in front of 40,000 people every night. You know, like does does it just like every time I've been to San Francisco probably 10 times now. And every time I walk in, I'm still as a fan, I'm like, man, this ballpark's so great. Like how does it, how did it feel walking into these big league stadiums, you know, for maybe the first time as a player? So, Unreal, ridiculous, yeah. underdressed. I mean, I came from double A. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, um, I'm i going to jump back to my first call up in Cincinnati. And it's so funny. I mean, there's a lot in the news now. The ball players are getting paid more in the minor leagues. And, you know, there's a big settlement. But um, it was a real deal, man. Like, I, 
I made more in triple A because I was on the 40 man, but I, we we did the math. When I was in double A, I made $27 a day, you know, Ugh, and Lord. it's, and you're just grinding. I mean, if you, luckily I was making enough noise in double A where I got a, um, I didn't have an agent until I got to double A and he provided my bats for me and, um, but they were still, I mean, this, in 2010, it was at the minor league discount. It was $1,000 for 12 old hickory maples. And I swung nice bats, but like it was still a lot of money. And I didn't have any money. So um, everything works as a reimbursement when you get called up. So I'll never forget, I get called up. It was at night. I was flying out the next morning. I get to the Mobile Airport, which is the equivalent of flying out of Santa Rosa, Aaron, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. <laughs> Seeing, you know, pop planes and I can't remember where I flew to to catch an actual jet, but um, my luggage, man, catcher's gear, dozen baseball bats, your clothes for the year. I'll never forget. It was, um, I think I had about 58 bucks in my checking account and I go to check my bags in and they were like, that's going to be $500 for luggage. And I called my freaking mom and I was like, Hey, (laughs) Because it's not paid for. It's an you emergency. Just yeah. And I was like, so my mom gave her credit card number over the phone. I was like, I promise I'll pay you back on my first paycheck. <laughs> and so I had to borrow money. So where I'm going with that is it was a long day. I had to, I had zero money. I got to the city late, so I missed the bus. So I had to take a cab. I remember the cab ride was like, 18 bucks i think i had 19 the cab driver probably thought i was a complete jerk but uh, <laughs> i was out of money right <laughs> show up great american ballpark if you ever get to cincinnati maybe you have like it's pretty cool the football stadium's right there like right it, it you know it's just your downtown big city america like the world's moving 150 miles an hour. And I remember like walking in this big stadium. There's this one little door. There's two guys there with a the table. I had a backpack they, and oh, all my luggage and they had to go through all of it. And then the one guy, I mean, they were organized. They had a, their club. He was waiting for me, the, the, the visitors clubhouse manager. And he takes me down and all of a sudden you're like underneath the stadium, dry, walking by, all the home players' cars, you know, and there's Bentleys and, yeah. you know, Escalades <laughs> and all this. And it was kind of that moment where you're like, where am I and do I even Holy belong here, shit. right? <laughs> and then you walk in the clubhouse and it's, God, we were playing so bad. It was actually kind of, I still made the best out of it, but everybody just had a long face because Diamondbacks were so terrible that year. And it was like, well, here comes another young guy and then, um, here's the other, you know, the older guys are going, well, you know, here's a young guy. I'm out, whatever. It was kind of weird, but right. I'll never forget the moment. I think you're looking for is I was totally overwhelmed, figured out how to put my uniform on, picked out my batting practice bat, grabbed my glove, and then was able to, I was late for team stretch. Cause I got there late and, um, walked out of the clubhouse onto the field. And that's when it, that's when it hit me. Um, cool. In the big leagues. And, where I was kind of going with that Diamondbacks thing. 
it was a weird environment. Like I mentioned earlier, AJ Hinch, you get fired and it was just kind of a weird thing going on. And I, I, I was kind of lost. I didn't know what to do. And I saw like our team stretching right by third base. Cause the reds were in the first base dugout and back to Johnny Gomes. He was his group, you know, grace of God or whatever. His group was hitting BP and he just stopped and came over and gave me a hug and was just like, so that's kind of an interesting story. And that's not knocking that's awesome. anybody from the Diamondbacks, but the first person that talked to me was on the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's um, so cool. Taking that forward, for me, it was, it was AT&T Park. I mean, I was a senior in high school and AT&T Park opened. Got to go to a couple ball games, you know, just that whole childhood dream, like one day I'll play here. And then actually playing there, um, was unbelievable i remember i walked um i walked and watched the diamondbacks or the the giants take batting practice and it wasn't just to watch them i mean they were really pretty competitive at that point um but just to sit there in the dugout and kind of take it all in it's like i'm in the dugout and i have a uniform on and i'm about to take batting practice and i got to i think i played in that series i may have pinch hit once or twice but um but it was also all those guys that came up with the bum gardeners the um you know buster posey brandon belt um there was a kid what was his name second baseman yeah panic noonan oh noonan oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Noonan. um yep. and hunter pence was there and hunter pence was always really good to me um and well this is a funny story um, Will Clark was my childhood hero and the year I played at University of Nevada he was the guest speaker at the Bobby Dolan dinner and um, so I established a little bit of a relationship and it was only three years after I played at Nevada that I was in the big league so if you look back like I, I, I made it fairly quickly I just didn't yeah. stick around and he remembered me and so that was one of those moments where he made it comfortable he came up and started having a conversation with me and I that it where it eased the anxiety a little bit but I was also like this is Will Clark <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy's amazing this is my dude yeah. you know yeah um so yeah I to answer your question I pretty much every ballpark was intimidating to me I mean I got to play in San Diego Colorado I played mostly in the NL West parks and i remember san diego going man this is paradise like right on the beach and the hotel was we stayed at the aria it was right attached to the ballpark and it's just surreal i mean they the big leagues are unbelievable i mean reno aces ballpark greater nevada field is one of the best in the minor leagues and you can't like as a player who's never played in the big leagues you wouldn't think there's anything better than that. And then you get to the big leagues and it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, that is, that's amazing. I, yeah. Again, I, I have one last thing to show you. We're up against the clock again on the freaking. Okay. Zoom. But um, thank you so much for coming on, but I did have to show you a uh, little blast <laughs> from the past. I noticed my, my barber has it too. in his, in his spot. And I told him, I was like, dude, we, we're going to interview uh, Conrad Schmidt. And he's like, 
that's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, but I just had to share it. Like when my grandpa passed away, I got all of his aces stuff. And that was one thing. And I was like, that is, that is perfect. Like, uh, so I enjoyed that. I well, thought that was. Thought well, that if was you fun. need any more, let me know. I think I still have a hundred of those. bottles. <laughs> well, if anything I'll, happens I'll to this one, one I, yeah, I'll let you know. Maybe we can get one for Derek over here. Uh, yeah. But I will say, if if you had the opportunity to do this again, we'd love to have you on again. I really appreciate. No, I think this is great. Let's. I think we should keep doing this because, yeah. uh, like I mentioned, the, the creative the memories that are start coming up, the the, stuff yeah. that I haven't <laughs> talked about in a long time, and I, you know, I've got a three year old now that he needs to know this stuff too. So yeah. I will, I will we'll talk baseball with you guys anytime. Well, thank you so much, Conrad. We, yeah. uh, Good we'll time. A good rest of your night, and we'll be in touch. Yeah. All right. Thanks for thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye bye, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening.